Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. What is a co host? A miserable little pile of secrets, but enough talk. How are you? I am well, Diavad. How are you? I'm not going to try and do yours backwards. It feels, yeah, like, it no, feels okay. like there's either a curse word in there or it'll summon sort of some sort of demon. I, I think, like, if we were to to do mine, like, truly, it would be egg egg, you know. But like, mm, yeah, because how how, do you, how does it change the vowel pronunciation? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean that that's that's why when you know, like, it's like Alucard. I was like, it's Dracula backwards. <laughs> that was kind of convenient, though, that that works <laughs> out to being a cool name. Like Alucard is an awesome name, you know. Like if it was just like you know. Egg egg, I'd be like, what the? F- oh, it's it's George backwards. That's come on, guys, just just work a little bit harder. Yeah. I mean, you have to believe they like focus group tested that, or they were like, oh, yeah. you know, oh, the main character is uh, is Alucard, and someone in the room was like, oh, that's an interesting name, and it's like, oh, he's he's from the the same part of the world as as Dracula, and then like eventually one guy in the room puts it together and is like, <gasps> wait a minute. <laughs> I feel like that, you know, they, they, they were kind of a, let's see how far we can, like how long we can get away with this. And then, uh, you know, like they're sitting there like, oh, well then Alucard this and Alucard that. And then like, they're all kind of sitting around the table and you see one person's eyes like go wide (laughs) and he just gets like tackled out of the room. (laughs) Don't spoil it. It's going to be a huge reveal. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, so uh, yeah. What are your uh, nostalgia experience for this uh, we we have to be quite clear this is uh not just any castlevania this is castlevania symphony of the night right because there's a lot of alucards floating around in the netflix sphere right now um but the game we specifically played castlevania symphony of the night which i think is the fifth sixth in the series it's it's out there it's not the second one um all, all i know is it's after rondo of blood like that's that's my little trivia. True story. Yes. Um, yes. I actually, I was writing uh, the, so this game came out in March of 1997 and I have to assume that by Christmas of 1997, everyone at Konami was like, thank God we did not do a fall release. Cause if they'd done a fall release of this game, it would have gone up against final fantasy seven. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And it would have been lost to history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as uh, no bueno. My nostalgia goggles for this game are I think I may have accidentally stolen this because I know that I didn't own this game. I was definitely borrowing it from my friend, but I remember having it in my possession so much as a kid that I think I may have just never given it back to him. So <laughs> I, I played it yeah, a lot is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like there's a fine line. It's I, I saw a thing online at one point where somebody said, at what point does it stop being grave robbing and start being archaeology? <laughs> and like <laughs> and, and the response was, as an archaeologist, this deeply disturbs me. <laughs> you know? And it's it's kind of like that where it's like, at, at what point does it stop being borrowing and starts being stealing and i think it's when when the the 
the borrowee, the, so the, the person who's lending, the lender, either uh, tacitly or overtly requires the substance back and does not have access to it, then you have stolen it. Yeah, and and I presume because as an adult I had to rebuy this game that I must have returned it to him at some point. I just remember mm-hmm. having it in my possession and any time access to it for functionally the this entire portion of my life. So that that's a that's a very specific nostalgia experience which is like I played it a lot and paid nothing. <laughs> so for me, my nostalgia experience for this, I mean, is, I mean, full disclosure, it's nothing. Like, I did not play this before now. But my, my nostalgia experience for this is watching the Castlevania Netflix series, which is amazing. And everyone should, should stop what they're doing, abandon their family and their responsibilities <laughs> and, and go watch it. Um, it's really good. But the, the, the reason why I think it kind of counts as a nostalgia experience for this game is because clearly i've played a couple of different castlevanias and from my seat this the show is at least most heavily influenced by this game because there's a a little subsection that i don't know when we want to fit it in where i've got like a rapid fire of like three things that i've got to talk about like references from the show that they captured really elegantly because i've never because when i saw the castlevania was a netflix series i was like well you can't make a good video game TV show like it, it it has never been done like you know even though it's been done I think a small handful of times but anytime when that happens I get I, I raise a huge eyebrow to it because you know immediately I start having Vietnam flashbacks to like Mario Brothers and you know yeah, things it's, like that. It's right? not the common case that quality is involved. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time it's shovelware. It's the same way when somebody says, you know, oh, yeah, this is a video game based on a movie. You're like, well, it's probably hot garbage, which is why when we got three quarters of the way through the GoldenEye episode. It's like, yeah, you know, this is based off of a movie, right? It's like, oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So anyways, but the, the, the thing I think is interesting is that they basically the the tv show is a very loving homage to the video game it is not they're not just saying like hey we got a video game let's rip as much wholesale stuff as we can and make it into a show they more so made it into a show and then they they took a, like a, a small pinch of the video game and then like just did that kind of meme sprinkle in into the 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 actual show of like fun little references that you would only get if you played the game so by virtue of playing the game now that I, I have, I was actually seeing some of the references that they made in the game. I'm like, Oh, that's classy. It's a classy, classy union of two things. So, so I wanted to if, talk about that instead of my nostalgia if, experience. If, if I was a better podcaster, I would say like, Oh, let's, let's save that for the end of the episode. So then, you know, it, it'll tease it for people, but you know, th- we, we have a structure to this and in lieu of your nostalgia experience, like I'm curious like what were right. these what were these things that you and and I'll say just to make sure you know um the show happens before the events of the game so it's the same Alucard obviously right he's functionally immortal he's a vampire but mm-hmm. um the the show chronologically is first even though in release you would say the game came first Right. So, um, so a couple of things is, uh, and, and like, there's obviously, you know, like the obvious references, like Alucard is in it, you know, like Dracula. I mean, you know, so there's, there's the castle, which looks very similar. Um, but you know, outside of all that, the, the ones that I was kind of happy that, um, 
that I was able to pick up on is so when you save the game, there is a massive D20, right? <laughs> or, right? Yeah. That's what that's what Dracula uses to move the castle. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, right? You're, and it's just like you're so right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like one of those things that is just so central to the game. And again, they didn't like it's like, well, like it's a save point. So how could we like there is no saving in, in the, the universe, obviously, but they're like, let's pull that imagery over. So it's just very clearly one to one. It spins the same way, you know, it 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 opens up the same way when he uses it to move the castle, you know. So it's just it's very clearly a reference to that, but again, just done done in a very classy way. Um so, and this is probably a little bit of a stretch, but you have different familiars in the game, right? You can have a sword familiar, which is a basically disembodied sword that floats around all the time. Mm. I believe that that's where Alucard got his sword kinesis from in in the show, you know? Yeah, no, it, because in the show, it's supposed to be that, like, the sword is magical and he is the wielder of it. In the game, mm-hmm. it's mechanically it's a separate thing from your equipped weapon whereas in the show it kind of is his equipped weapon but like mm-hmm. I, yeah i would say that's there's a good chance that's supposed to be the same thing right and that's the thing is that that's kind of what i feel is so impressive about the way the show handles the the video game references is because it's like they're like well if we did a direct one-to-one it would be hammy and it wouldn't really fit the universe but they're like okay well what is it it is a sword that acts on its own like well can we we make that pretty cool and the answer is yes yes they can the one other place where it uh it really i felt get did a great um homage was uh at the beginning of season three they're kind of going through this backwooded area and they come across a bunch of night creatures right and one of the night creatures flies and it picks up the first night creature and you know like they 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 form like a two-person duo that's the first boss in the game just straight up you know and they don't make it into some huge thing where they're like this is the most powerful night creature they're like no man we're just gonna make like a little thing where if you played the game you will recognize this pairing and that's it and the thing is that the reason why i believe all of these homages are are done well is because at no point when i was watching the show the first time they say like that's a video game thing that's a video game thing it just all made perfect sense in universe and then when i played the video game i'm like oh this is where they got the inspiration for that that's pretty cool yeah and i i think the the thing dracula uses to move the castle is the best example of like a layers joke right you will appreciate the reference if you get it but because it's a magical control stick for a magical moving castle it's you're not like why is it shaped like that it's like because it's right because why is anything anything he's a vampire (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that that's like a great place to insert a little reference like that because there is no real life equivalent i mean what were they going to give him a super nintendo controller like it's it's it needed to be something magical, like some kind of magical interaction with the magical castle. So that's a great little place to just be like, Oh, it's going to be like a little spinny thing. And it's going to look like the save spot from, from symphony of the night, because why the hell not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, exactly. So those were in lieu of my nostalgia experience. Those were, uh, those were some of the ones that, uh, that I, I, I was able to pick up. I'm sure there's way more, but as I was playing through, I was like, huh, neat. 
So there's uh, one that happens in the other direction that I'm aware of, which is uh, so the the Belmont, since the show canonically would come earlier than the game, the Belmont mm-hmm. in this is Trevor Belmont, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometime between uh, the show and the game, several hundred years managed to pass. And so mm-hmm. Alucard goes into like, I'm sad about being the child of Dracula sleep, basically spoilers. Mm-hmm. He's the child of Dracula. And, uh, <laughs> then when he like emerges, that's when the, the, you know, s- the series of events of symphony of the night take place. We'll get to the game eventually. I'm sure. But, sure. uh, in the beginning of the game, uh, when you encounter Maria and she's looking for Richter, uh, mm-hmm. she's like, Oh, I'm looking for this guy. And, He's like, oh, who? And she's like, oh, it's a Belmont. And she has a little thought bubble of Richter because she knows who she's looking for. And Alucard goes, a Belmont? And his little thought bubble is of Trevor because Mm. that is the Belmont that was alive when Alucard was last awake. And I was just like, I was like, oh, that's awesome because if you know the Castlevania games really well, you know what now you have an idea for how far apart in time each of the games are because this happened hundreds of years ago. I think it's like 300 years ago, but it's in the game universe. The joke is that the sprite he imagines is an eight bit Nintendo sprite. And the sprite she imagines is a, you know, like a 32 bit, you know, PS one sprite. So it's like, because the show now exists, that joke is now better because it went on to <laughs> retroactively reference this other thing. Like it's, it's, I love that kind of like Disney Pixar shared universe. Like, look, it's the ball with the star. Like I just, I, I appreciate that kind of stuff so much. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's really good. But, uh, you want to go to, uh, um, to, you know, notes, Patreon. Oh, cause that's the thing. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, comments suggestions be a part of our community but if you wanted to do an extra mile any places that we the any any references that we have missed between the show and the um and the video game you know leave it in like the notes and comments and all that good stuff oh yeah and don't don't be lazy don't just link to somebody else's wikipedia article of all the stuff they noticed you know come yeah. come with your own observations which we will appreciate yeah. and and value very much but you know do 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 the work of observing yeah, well, I think that, that our no research rule holds to the notes in the comments as well, right? Like, we have a strong aura of no research. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, are we like dark paladins? Where, like, instead of giving buffs to the people around us, we give them, like, debuffs? Yeah, kind of. I mean, but in a way, aggressive ignorance is its own buff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, you know, so do do recommend the show, leave reviews. Um, I'm really enjoying the people who have been uh, joining in on Twitch because you get a certain kind of person, and I am one of these people, so I'm not speaking negatively about these people, but you get a certain kind of person who doesn't just like to play video games or talk about video games, but they like to watch other people play video games. And uh, someone came into the chat the last day that I was playing this on stream and... <laughs> basically like percentage shamed me for the entire time he was in the chat. So like, nice. I knew, I knew this was going to be my last play session. There are a few people in there talking. So I'm like having just kind of a relaxed time. Cause I was like, when I am bored, I'm going to go kill Dracula and then I'll be done with this playthrough. 
And I was like, okay, I, I can see there's like a little area over there and I don't feel like walking all the way over there. And I know there's this other thing and I, I don't, I'm not going to go get that, but you know, totals like 212% and pff, I've got to be over 200%. And this one guy in the chat was just like, there's no way you're definitely under 200. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And he was like, no, cause this particular area the remaining like 11% is on the other side of that area and you haven't gone there. There's no way. And I was like, all right, all right. The only place I know of to check your percentage is on the load screen. So I was like, I'm literally going to restart the console just so I can load my game to see where it was. And it was a hundred and like 96.8%. I was like, well, screw you. I'm still going to go kill Dracula. (laughs) 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 And he was a good sport about it. He supported me all the way through, but I was just like, damn it. Like this guy really, really knows the game. If he can just drop in at the off the cuff, yeah, at the 11th hour and 59th minute and just be like, there's no way you're over 200% and be absolutely correct. Yeah, no, basically it was the, uh, the, uh, Twitch stream viewer equivalent of where, where you're like, oh man, I, I thought I was over 200%. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Be better. <laughs> it was because it, it, it was tough love. Like he didn't, he, <laughs> he wanted me to go the, the last mile and get up to 212, but I was, it was late. I was tired. Um, maybe next <laughs> I don't <game>. wanna. <laughs> So uh, visuals? Visuals. Um, I played a lot more PS1 than you and mm-hmm. some of my favorite memories of the ps1 i've realized are tied up in the fact that the ps1 was not afraid to do high res pixel art and this game has some 3d and it has some like wooshy wooshy particle effects but a whole lot of this game is just beautiful high res pixel art and i appreciate Mm -hmm. that so much like so so much it's just this game is just gorgeous like and pixel art to me ages a lot better than yes low poly right personally and so Mm -hmm. like going back and seeing it is great and i've shared this game with people over the years and they don't have a nostalgia experience for it and when they go back and look at it like oh this game looks really good and i'm like yeah it does it does look really good well because the thing is that your brain immediately like you know your brain doesn't spend a whole lot of time like like, like with gradations like this you know what your brain is really really good at doing is putting things into buckets you know that's one of the reasons why we have so many logical fallacies that we have about (laughs) bucketing things incorrectly but basically when your brain thinks pixel art it thinks snes era you know snes genesis right and this the playstation computationally blows those systems out of the water you know so the thing is that your brain is saying like oh my god this looks really really good it's because you're comparing it to super mario world you know which again this game could run circles around you know and 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 it does and the thing is that it it uses it uses all of that additional bandwidth i think very very well in the sense that so they said like okay you know we're going to create a 2d pixel art game it's like okay well that's taking 10 percent of our resources as opposed to 80 percent like it would with uh, snes so it's like well, what do we do with the, the rest of it it's like okay you know what we're going to do we're going to make a, a billion enemies a bajillion million enemies you look at how many enemies there are there's just so <laughs> many enemies right so so they, they they spent all of their additional resources creating a world of scope and grandeur that could not have been dreamt of an earlier systems, which is absolutely the way to do it, you know? So I think that, yeah, it absolutely ages really, really well because 
um, it's not in the weird, what we are staring at is like a very, very majestic, sleek, you know, spearfish, right? We're not, <laughs> we're not looking at, you know, either a, the majestic ape or the majestic fish. We're, we're not looking at the weird fish that grew legs and kind of could walk on land, which is what you get when you look at low res poly, you know, it's, you're seeing like that weird that we're oh or, or it's like you're seeing a cute baby or a full-grown chiseled adult not weird awkward teenager you know that's yeah that i i do like fish with legs but awkward teenager is another great way to think about it because so many early 3d games were awkward teenagers as far as gaming you know history goes and mm-hmm. high-res pixel art is is the the glow up that all super nintendo era games dreamed of having and i have literally the next thing in my notes is oh my god so much variety because we have we have waxed and waned over our uh you know review career about what we think of uh, palette swapping when it's okay when it's not when you are surprised that you didn't even notice right and other times when it's like damn near game breaking and this game has a little bit of palette swapping, like a very, very tiny, tiny, tiny little bit, but there's like a bajillion enemies. And I, I think yeah. I'm only very slightly exaggerating, but then on top of it, there's a bajillion unique environments. And then on top of that, almost not every single weapon, but almost every single weapon has a unique look to it when you swing it, right? It either has like a slightly different particle effect or a slightly different color, or it's the sword's a little bigger, or it's a little smaller, or it's... All the the cloaks as well. Yeah, all the cloaks. And one of the cloaks even lets you choose colors. So if they don't, if they didn't put in colors that you like, there's one cloak you can buy or find, maybe find it. But then like you can go into the menu and choose colors, which is in itself a clever reference to other RPGs because like Final Fantasy, Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger, like those games let you change the color on the text box and it uses the exact same interface to let you change the color on the cloak. Like there's just... There and is the color of the cloak changes the color that you are when you're a bat, you know? Yes, um, yes. There, There's just visual... Speaking of the bat... I always it always really annoyed me that when you turn <laughs> into the you sounded more like a Batman villain than, <laughs> than right then. <laughs> You're probably right. Um when you turn into the wolf, it always bugged me the way the sword looks like mm-hmm. it's sort of like sticking on his collar and it's like, oh his sword doesn't transform. It's like on him. And uh the bat also has the sword on it, but it blends in so well that I literally never noticed before this playthrough. Hmm. Right. And this isn't a graphical quality thing. This is just my opinion, but like they, they really spent not just the processing power of the PlayStation on the visual, but a lot of love and care and detail went into every enemy, every enemy's animation, all of Alucard's animations, the backgrounds, the environments, the spells, the shields, the like, there's just so much. The art budget for this game must've been bonkers. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, like I think that this is kind of where we were seeing 
you know, again, it's 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 just it's it's a really fascinating time type of game for this time in video game history because what we're starting to see, and and I am not an industry expert, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. But you know, is this is when you know when you're starting to create three D games and stuff like that, you need way more teams doing way more art assets, and all, assets and all this sort of stuff. So if they basically said we are going to take a PS one game budget because this is a PS one game, right? but it's all going to be 2D. Well, then instead of spending so much time creating all these different textures and like arranging all of these 3D poly lines, you know, to make sure that everything looks semi-reasonable, it's like, okay, well, to create one car in Twisted Metal takes like, you know, 500 hours. Well, in 500 hours, you can make a whole bunch of different pixel art designs, you know, and it's 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 all, it, it's all money in the end, right? Well, and there's, so, there's a, a resource sync that i don't remember who i wish i could say this was an original idea but some someone else some other game developer gave me this idea a game developer i'm not a game developer i just talk about <laughs> other people's hard work um yep but and judge them a, <laughs> oh, yes literally for hours at a time yeah. every other week <laughs> but something that uh this time in history was a victim of that later parts of history were not which is if you were a pixel artist around this era, you had experience making pixel art. You did not have experience making 3D art or certainly not as much. So not only could you say, oh, well, we're going to pay for, you know, a thousand hours of, of, of art design, but that person was able to way more hit the ground running with tools that they were comfortable. So this is more like going to a painter and saying, Instead of saying like, oh, hey, can you craft Mario out of marble? And it's like, well, I mean, I guess like if you pay for the tools, I I guess I could chisel a statue out. And instead going to a painter and saying, what if you had unlimited paint and unlimited canvases? Then what could you do? And then they're like, oh, like, let me get in there and make a billion unique enemies and a billion unique backgrounds and animate clever little details and stuff in the backgrounds. Right. Because there's no like skill barrier. It's just, they suddenly have resources to play, you know, and, and that's yeah. like, this is what you get when you, you can do that is you, you get a game that looks like this. And, and I think that, you know, as you said that this game does have some 3d elements to it, but I think that those are, again, in my opinion, leveraged very, very well. Like one of the, the biggest places that I can think of off the top of my head is obviously the 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 D20 slash coffin save animation, right? That's predominantly 3D, but it's not like, you know, like the the way that they animated the um the 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 D20 and all that sort of stuff is it looks eerie and the entire room is eerie. When you walk in, it pulsates like a beating heart, you know? So the fact that the 3D is a little out of place um, kind of fits the, the the theme that they kind of went with there, which is that it, it is kind of, it is a different area. It immediately grabs your eye and grabs your attention. Pretty much anytime when they use true 3D, uh, like with fire and things like that, um, you know, it, it, it's very eye grabbing. The one place where they use 3D, where I was like, eh, I didn't really, I wasn't feeling it, was with the books in the library. Yeah, like, agreed. <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of like, I was like, I was like, I don't know. Either don't do the books or don't do them that way. That was just a little, a little odd. If they, if that was not in there, I almost would not have noticed the 3D effects. You know, um, so I thought that was very, very skillfully done, merging those two things together. One one place they used the power of a rendering engine, like they had on the PlayStation, 
that I, I this is a thing. It's just another one of those opinion things. I just don't like the way this looks. And so I notice it whenever I see it is they some of the very large enemies, like a couple of the really big bosses, I think a few regular enemies, maybe, but definitely this happens with a few bosses. They are very large and they move in a very particular like angular sort of rounded way where they arch mm-hmm. awkwardly and hand animating each of those cells in pixel art would be a big pain in the ass. So they didn't. They took a static image and they chopped it up into pieces and then morph it and stretch it and bend it in ways that pixels can't do, right? You can't have a pixel that goes at a diagonal angle. You have to fake it with squares. And so Mm -hmm. when you see in a lot of modern games that use pixel art, do this where there's a static sprite and then they cut it into pieces and they animate the pieces. And sometimes it looks great. Most of the time, I think it looks weird just because my brain is very tuned to how pixel art moves And that is not how it moves and it can Mm -hmm. look great, but because there's only a handful of places in the game that do that, like the books, they sort of stand out as like, oh, they didn't want to hand animate this boss because it would have been a giant pain in the ass. So they did it this like new and modern way that you couldn't do on like the Super Nintendo, but they could now do computationally on the PlayStation. So it's it's not, you know, not the end of the world, but it's just one of those things that it makes you notice the graphics and and you're not saying like oh my god the world is beautiful or oh that enemy is terrifying you go oh those graphics look weird right which is that right. stepping back from the experience because there's so much in the world that you you comment on as if it's real right like like oh look there's a a, a ghoul in the cell in the background i wonder if they're ever going to pop out they never pop out but you know, right. like that, like, ooh, or this, like, oh, this spell looks so cool. And like, I feel powerful when I use this magic or whatever. But those are all like in universe feelings where you're having feelings about the universe to notice like, oh, like I bent awkwardly. Gra- squares don't bend like that. Right? That's that's <laughs> having a feeling about the game. And that's it's not game breaking. It's nowhere close to even being more than just like a, a, a little splinter or a paper cut. But on this playthrough, since I was you know taking notes about the graphics, I was very aware of that. Um, so one one big thing I want to make sure that we touch on is the hitbox. So the hitbox is super in your favor. Like there is a <laughs> definitely a number of times when I was like, oh god, that should have hit me, but it didn't. So yay. Um, so especially towards the beginning, I really appreciated that as you're kind of like learning the game and learning the mechanics and kind of how you move and interact with the universe. Because, um, so this trades into mechanics a little bit, but, uh, with my, um, with my first experience, I, you know, I'm, I'm used to modern games like anyone else. I'm used to them saving on their own from time to time. Right. So, uh, I you know jumped right into the game and I died because at the beginning you don't have a lot of hit points and death steals all your equipment like it's the giant tool that death is you know <laughs> and I died and then it brought me back to like the beginning the beginning like I was Richter at the beginning <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah because I didn't save at all you know and so uh, so the nice thing though is that really instilled the fear in me so you know when I was like desperately looking for a save point to save the last hour that I had like done. Um, I appreciated the fact that I never got tagged in a way that I was like, that's unfair. The thing that, so, so that's, that's good. We've seen games do that. We've seen games not what this game has done. That I think we've seen very few, if any games in general do almost certainly no pixel art games um, is that there's two hitboxes. There's the enemy 
hitbox and then the enemy's weapon hitbox, right? And those are different because and they have a different it, effect. Correct. And I think that that's awesome because if you're just jumping around and the enemy like checks you physically, it does like one tenth as much damage than if the weapon hits you. If their attack hits you, then you take substantial damage, which mechanically I think is it makes sense because there's plenty of times when I was jumping around and the thing I was fighting moved erratically or in a way I wasn't anticipating or when I tagged them they this one got knocked into the air whereas some of them don't you know and like so I would run into them somehow and I'd take like three hit points one hit point of damage and be like oh okay well I that was a a mild mistake but when you hit their actual weapon you you have really screwed up they telegraph their techniques pretty hard you know so it's like no I deserved taking 15 25 damage I'm I'm playing stupidly or too aggressively or something like that, you know? So um, the fact that those are two different hitboxes, um, I thought was actually very, very well done. Well, and this is something that uh, you would notice, like if, if you took a really beautiful Super Nintendo game, because Lord knows there's plenty of them, right? And a game like Symphony of the Night, and you gave them to a player without telling them like what system it was for, or like what time in history it's from someone really closely observing the mechanics. And this is visual specifically, but like someone really closely observing the mechanics might be able to tell which game came earlier because computing all of those different hitboxes on screen at the same time is computationally in more intensive than they could reasonably get away with on something like super Nintendo, especially as you were trying to dial up your visual and audio fidelity, it's that is those are processor resources that you now can't use to do other things like compute complicated hitboxes, right? Like famously in the original super Mario brothers, um, one of the ways to beat Bowser, if you're like a speedrunner, is when he uh, is like throwing hammers, like as you see Bowser in later and later castles, he throws like more and more of the, mm-hmm. the I guess they're hammers or little axes or whatever. Like they're hammers. Yeah. Because the other people that throw them are the hammer brothers. Yeah. So the, the, the axe brothers. The, <laughs> That'd be a real garbage <laughs> name. It's like you're the hammer brothers. What do you throw? Axes? <laughs> Our name is Hammer. What are you confused about? <laughs> yeah. I, I am Mr. Hammer and yeah. this is my sister, Mrs. Hammer. Oh, what? You assumed we were both guys? Yeah. This is terrible. Yeah. Glass houses, Mario, Mario. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But like, so if you actually look at the, um, the number of hammers that are drawn on screen, there are more of them than they can do collision detection for on the original Nintendo. So you can just clip right through them if you know which ones don't have collision detection on them. And it's always the same ones, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the first, say like five of them have collision detection and then the next three don't because they couldn't do the math. Like they couldn't make the processor do it. And that exact same kind of thing is happening here where Alucard is, you know, not super big and he, but he wears like a big cape over his pauldrons. And when he swings his sword, he sort of like turns sideways and depending on the kind of the weapon, like it's a very fencery long, you know, kind of motion. And so there's a lot of empty space under the sword before you get to his body. The enemies are all sorts of weird shapes because they're demons and monsters and whatnot. So they're, lots of them is, you know, empty space or between tentacles or whatever. 
and those things don't register a hit on you or on them because it you didn't hit them, right? They can have their hitbox actually be made up of a billion little boxes that are layered over each other and, and you end up with this crazy like Venn diagram. And that's something that is satisfying because it matches with what you're seeing, right? When you have a big clunky rectangular hitbox and there's collision because, oh, well, it it hit the rectangle, even though it didn't hit the sprite as the sprite is animated, that is not a good feeling, right? And and here they can not only take away that feeling, but then also be as generous as they want to be with making you hit them, right? And they could do different math, right? The body is, you know, less damaged than the, the weapon is and stuff. And that's like, it's it's all invisible. Like that's all happening behind the visuals, but it makes the visuals feel I'm going to say more accurate. Like it, it makes what you're seeing feel truer to what's happening in the game. Right. It makes it feel more fair, more like a, a representation of what should be happening. Um, I've got a, a whole, like about four more just rapid fire. Like we don't need a deep discussion. <laughs> just, just quick notes that because they're not meaty. They're not meaty things, but they're kind of cool, little interesting things. So do you have any other like meaty, meaty stuff you want to talk about? Um, the only other thing that I have that's really important to me is just to, uh, reemphasize not just the amount of variety, but the amount of detail, like when Alec, I assume assume the the amount of like, you mean just with the game, right? Because otherwise the only thing that I had that's really important to me is this is all I have. This is it. (laughs) (laughs) Take that wife and kids. That's just like like the way you just phrased it. It was like the only thing I had that's really important to me is how this one visual really. Oh no, that was actually a smudge on your TV. Well, off to kill myself. Um, <laughs> but I just I like the variety I think is important, but the mm-hmm. the detail is where the craftsmanship because anybody can make a lot of crap, right? But the, mm-hmm. the detail is is where I think like the love for the the universe really comes through from the artist. And so I just I have like a few of these. Uh when your magic bar refills you do like a little flash that it's the same color as the magic bar. So it's really clear like what's happening visually. Um, When you start moving, you leave this little like totally needless after image that makes no sense and does nothing but looks super cool. Um, It does. And that's another reference to the show. Yes, it it totally is. Um, (laughs) The save icon on the memory card changes depending on either how far you are in the game or where you were when you saved. I can't remember. I think it might be where you were when oh, you saved. Yeah. yeah, but every time you load from the memory card, it sh- there's a little unique icon that is only there and is nowhere else in the game. It's nowhere else in the universe, right? It's like just so many little like de- like mm, 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 just like delicious <laughs> little details just and not even sprinkled throughout. Just like this thick layer of love and care on all yes. of the graphics. Absolutely. No, couldn't agree more. And actually that, that leads nicely into to my little noticing of, of beautiful little details that they put in. Um, one is that the map mechanic I thought was very clear and helpful, especially in the fact that, you know, if there is a opening, unless it's a true out and out secret, but if there's an opening between, you know, like a, an area where you haven't explored yet, there'll be a little opening in the map to kind of denote a door. Um, 
that was super awesome because literally at one point I was just, I was sitting there with the the map up, just staring at it. And it, and then I kind of like stepped outside of myself and realized that this is the equivalent of Alucard, like rolling his map out on the table and just like <laughs> staring at it, you know, and like being like, there has to be this ring somewhere. Where in this shifting castle is it? You know? So, uh, so I don't know. I, I really appreciated that moment. Um, uh, you you kind of touched on one of them, which is the items actually change, like your sword changes, your cloak changes. Um, it, I just want to hit on that again really briefly because that is very new for this time. You know, like um, it, it, not not all games at that. Now with all of our modern gaming, we're like, of course, if you equip a different shield, it looks different. But I mean, I remember playing tons of RPGs where you got the, you know, plus 10 orc banisher i've got an ogre slaying knife that's plus nine <laughs> against ogres right like you had that versus like your wooden sword and they all just looked the same you just had to know that it was more powerful so the fact that the game was doing that is a good use of their computational power um and then so this is uh uh one of the ones i just i i don't know i really this was just such a cool animation which is your double jump looks like bat wings but right. your cloak kind of opens up and like pushes down and I'm always really fascinated in games with how they justify a double jump, you know, because it's a it's a great mechanic. It works really, really well mechanically, but then it's just kind of like, OK, well, and for some games they are like, look, man, you can jump twice. It's cartoony <laughs> enough to deal with it. But uh, the, the two that I always think about uh, is one is in Devil May Cry. When you get the double jump, it actually creates like a magical rune beneath your feet so you're basically creating a small pocket of something you can step on and then you are jumping again which is that's cool looking as hell yeah it's really visually stunning and also makes sense in universe so the fact it's like basically when you get this ability you know your cloak is kind of opening up into this kind of magical bat wing and giving you one additional push into the air feels awesome looks awesome just fantastic so little attention to details like that kind of as you were saying or just just tens across the board and and in a world where it would have been so easy to lazily say like he's magic you can just jump twice it's like yeah no, no but how is he the world still has physics how is he doing it right and that that's just like someone thought about that and the conversation probably went like like oh we're gonna give him a double jump because then we can like you know region lock stuff behind the double jump and it's like yeah Bat wings might be cool. Bat wings would be cool. You should animate bat wings. Actually, this is this is definitely slightly t- tangential, but um, I, I I always do appreciate games, uh, any any media that takes magic and somehow tries to rationalize it. It's supposed to like because if you just say, "Oh, it's magic. A wizard did it," like that's not <laughs> satisfying, you know. But um, one of the ones that uh that that I so in D and D right because of course it comes back to D and D right is um. Is and I think we've had this conversation, which is it's like, well, you know, magic. Like, how does that work exactly? You know, because it's 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 magic, right? So I actually was able to use that recently when I was talking to um, Megan, and we were talking about uh, transmutation in general, and we're like, well, how does that work? It's more specifically in Harry Potter, um, because I said like, okay, wait. So McGonagall can like transform herself into a cat, but the cat doesn't weigh, you know, seventy kilograms, right? The cat's a cat right so i'm like so that gets a little fuzzy because it's not like envy in brotherhood where they always have like that additional weight you know so what i what i said is i was like oh so 
what if there was like a pocket universe filled with near infinite energy and magic simply is able to access that pocket universe, right? And then pull energy from or dump energy into it and then transform it into matter, right? Because then basically what McGonagall is doing is taking a tremendous amount of mass, transferring it into energy and then moving it into this pocket dimension and then pulling it out and transmuting it back into herself when she's done. And that's what the spell is. You know, now all of that's way overthinking it. That's not the point. <laughs> but the point is, is I, <laughs> is I really appreciate games that take that kind of thought and attention to detail as opposed to being like, I don't know, it's magic. Magic can do anything. It's like, no, let's set up a universe where it makes sense. And this game does that pretty much every step of the way, you know, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about the visuals, um, I just, cause I didn't want to interrupt you before, but uh, the, the <laughs> thing about the map that, I appreciate it because I, I, sh- dude, I have a hard experience with maps. Like I don't, I, I could do a whole like dissertation on my relationship with video game maps, but the thing that a lot of Metroidvanias do and this, sorry, backtrackers, the thing a lot of backtrackers do is the map doesn't give you a ton of information because part of the challenge is remembering where the thing was. And now that I need to go back to the thing that I, because I got the the thing in the other place, I can go back to the other place and, and use the thing is like remembering or wandering aimlessly. And something this map does pretty well, because it has no detail, right? It is almost completely mm-hmm. useless is other than save spots, teleportation spots and doors, which are all useful bits of information, no doubt. Um, One of the few things that it does is the design of the map communicates enough information to jog your memory, right? The, the cathedral that's like Mm -hmm. up in the top left has that giant staircase. That's incredibly annoying with those stupid fire breathing, like dinosaur heads on it. Like Mm -hmm. you immediately can remember that that's what's up there when you look at that on the map because nowhere else on the map is shaped like that right when you see the giant vertical shaft in the dead center of the map you're like oh that's the clock room that's where the clock is right the the outer wall is like this ridiculously vertical section on the right side right like there's uh the the um the Coliseum, yeah the Coliseum, like weirdly shoots off from the center and you have to like go and find that whole area because none of it's on the map that you buy like there's someone thought about what i'm going to call the silhouette of that map right like if you just blacked the whole thing out and all you had was the map part and nothing else you could still say like oh there's the cathedral there's the coliseum there's the outer wall right there's the clock room there's dracula's room up at the top there because it like weirdly juts off and it's like a big pain in the butt to get to until you can transform into the bat right like there's there's a lot of thought put into we're not going to give you the information but we will give you all of these like mental triggers to remember like oh that okay now i'm looking for the room that shoots off of the cathedral and the cathedral's up there, and I know it's up there because it's got that specific shape. Yeah, no, I, I, I agreed. Um, anything else for visuals? No, I think I... Oh, no, I'm going to save that for mechanics. Yes, I'm ready for audio. Okay, well, I'll let you uh, you take point because you're, you're going to do the uh, the the autumn to my fall of autumn is when things change and are beautiful, and I'm like, leaves fall down. So, uh, you know, t- take it away. What do what, what, you think of the the music i liked it <laughs> <laughs> you see i felt that there was a beautiful counter now i so the the thing about the music in this game is not just how good it is but 
someone sat down with the music team and said, Hey, listen, um, we're going to have this incredibly varied looking universe, a lot of rich environments, a lot of crazy variations, a lot of which doesn't need to make sense because the castle itself is magical. So we can do all sorts of bonkers things, make no damn sense inside the castle. Um, we need music to go with all that. So we have like 25 areas or 50 areas or however many areas it is. Can you write a unique piece of music for each one of those? And also I'm thinking six to 10 different genres would be great. Um, I need symphony orchestra. I need heavy rock. I need light rock. Uh, I need some of those like weird kind of spooky ambient songs that aren't really songs. You can't hum them. Like what, a challenge to set these poor people because you know the music came after right they they wrote music to fit the environments so the yes. the art team got to decide what environments to do and then the the music team definitely had to come in behind and just be like oh geez there's like 30 different unique environments like we <laughs> we've got to write music for all of them and so help me god we're gonna do it and they do it yeah so if i had to guess what probably happened and again not being an industry expert i don't know for sure is that they probably did like concept art for all of the different areas that they wanted to do and then basically said like okay you know that that they said like okay now go build the dungeons like build them out mechanically so they make sense make sure that you're getting the silhouette on the map so that way it works all this sort of stuff and then at the same point in time they said i want the music to feel how this area feels Mm -hmm. you know so like because that's basically I mean you know when you're in the cathedral it's it the music feels like you're in a cathedral you know whereas when you're you know like like running like a madman to get into Dracula's tower you know like it's and and you're you're doing the uh the you know I've got all of the awesome items that I'm going to lose because that's <laughs> that sucks um kind of ubiquitously true but uh, you know like that that's got a different feel to it you know so um so yeah so I think that that basically they said, you know, <laughs> so, uh, sorry, this is again, a little tangential, but basically at one point I had, a uh, there was one person I was talking to and they said, um, uh, uh they sneezed and it was like one of those ridiculous, ridiculous sneezes where it's like, Phew! you know, something <laughs> like that. And like, they saw my eyes go like wide and they're like, ah, no, you are only allowed to say something if it's something I haven't heard before. And I said, your sneezes sound like baby kittens look. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they said, yeah, all right, that is new. I have not heard that before. But like, that's kind of where, where like all of these things sound like the area looks. So that's why I have to believe that they said like, we want this to be like a cavern and this is going to look like this and this is going to look like this. Now make the music no limitations. It doesn't have to be, like you said, it's not like it all has to be symphony music. It's like no limitations. Whatever you need to make this sound like it looks, do it. And they did. And it's great. Yeah, th- this uh, immediately jumped onto my list of game soundtracks I will now listen to while I work. Although I did have to put an asterisk with it because a lot of the songs are songs like they don't have lyrics except for the end title song and that's its own thing um but they uh it's super fun to to sit through with a four-year-old in your lap (laughs) because i beat the game and i was like okay i need to get to the because i didn't know that 
it wasn't like a new game plus where like you mm-hmm. had to go about it. And it, so I thought it was like after the credits, like a thing was going to happen where the other castle comes down or whatever. <laughs> right. And so I'm just sitting there with my impatient four year old going like, data, what, what's going on? She, no, it's going to be great. That shit did. No, it's going to be great. And it just ended. And I was like, oh man, I'm a liar. It was so, not great. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, like a lot of the songs are like, they have a discernible melody. Right. And so, that makes them less optimal for like focus music because then you catch yourself. I at least catch myself singing along. Right. So I, I do listen to this music while I work, but I, there's probably certain kinds of work that I can't do with this on. Cause otherwise I'll just be imagining I'm Richter running to fight Dracula. Like, right. And I have found the soundtracks really good for working out working out yeah yeah it, yeah. Is. it totally is <laughs> although you don't want to have just like failed on a set you know depending on what kind of workout you're doing like you don't want to have just failed on a set during like the spooky like underwater like ice cavern music or the the um like the death music like or the not death the the like ferryman who like rose you because those songs like those are not you know then you have to be sad until like the right. Coliseum music comes on and you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, so, so what I actually have been doing, I've been doing Kung Fu to this stuff and, uh, mm-hmm. and that works mm-hmm. out really well because then like when it's slower, you do like more slow, like relaxed sets. Right. And then like when it, when it ramps up, you know, then I'm, cause like when it's slower, I am, I am training for the battle. And when it's, when it's rocking, I am in the battle, you know? So same, same form, just the difference is I'm fighting bad guys when, when it's rocking and, uh, and it's it's pretty good. The downside though is I'm not, you know, twenty two anymore. So <laughs> sometimes I'll get a little too into it and I'll just be like, oh, wait, hang on. Uh, <laughs> my not twenty year old back. <laughs> <laughs> like like I, I definitely, you know, I threw that kick. It was a great kick. I'm really happy with it, but I can definitely feel that my my hammies are gonna be a little sore tomorrow. <laughs> So uh, we do, if we're going to talk about audio, we do have to be clear on a specific detail. Um, usually you and I are able to play the same original copy of the game, right? Every once in a while, we have to go to like the, you know, switch, like the virtual store on Nintendo or, or like the, the re-release like of all the Sega Genesis games on a single disc, right? But Mm-hmm. most of the time those games are exactly like their originals or so close that it, it's irrelevant to, to get nitpicky about it. Uh, in this case, you played the PSP re-release on the PS4 and I played right. the PlayStation one original and mechanically everything is the same. Um, there's the graphics are all the same. Everything's the same except the voice acting, all the voice acting yeah. in your version was a better translation and then they had to re-record it with new voice actors. Um I sort of adore the terrible voice acting because I have nostalgia goggles for it. I can't recommend it. Uh, some of the sentences people say make no sense and it sounds like they're acted by first-year acting students which they might be. Uh, but like the it might have just not been acted by acting students at all. It might have just been the staff. <laughs> just, you know. But I mean, the the performances are all good it you know what it is it's the star wars prequels like 
you can take someone like Alucard's Whoa. voice actor has an amazing voice and I'm sure mm-hmm. he's a talented voice actor, but if you give him kind of hammy, awful dialogue, right? Natalie Portman is a super talented actress, but when you give her the star Wars prequels, she looks terrible. She, she sounds like a crazy person because that's what she was told to do by the director. Right. And so right. nothing against the voice actors themselves, but they were probably given a lot of like, you know, yeah, this is, it's a video game. So like really ham it up and like be silly with it. And it's like, no, it can be serious. So I'm actually mostly curious. How did you feel about the voice acting? Because you got all the redone stuff. I did get all the redone stuff because I didn't have a copy of this game because I was on the right side of the console wars, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, I that's didn't you know, have the, yeah. Filthy. No, I'm not finished. I didn't have any of that filthy PlayStation garbage in my house. <laughs> um, all of that being said, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thought the voice acting was, it was fine. I, it wasn't bad. It, so I think that the, the, the thing was like in the original one is it was kind of the Rocky horror picture show of, um, of kind of voice acting in the sense that it's so weird and so campy that it kind of becomes beloved, yeah, it's, you know, it's fun. Cause yeah. Cause I, I don't think anybody would look at the Rocky horror picture show movie and say like, this is clearly, you know, like a, a, a plus list movie. I mean, that's the whole point is that it's like a, it's like a weird B sci-fi sci-fi flick, you know? Um, so I think that it, so this voice acting is better, but it's, it's good enough that you don't notice it because it just, it just kind of a little bit carries the plot along. Like it is literally, there is just a, a needle that delivers plot juice into your brain, you know? So that's kind of all it does. So it, it was, I, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I, I, I nothinged it, but it does. I wasn't there for the voice acting. I'm not really in that, that, that thing for the horribly cerebral plot, you know, like it's, it, you know, yeah, and, and that's, that's a fair, fair thing to dwell on is uh hammy original voice acting or probably perfectly fine redone voice acting there isn't a ton right there's not a ton of spoken dialogue and even in the segments that have spoken dialogue the conversations are fairly short because you want to get back to killing demons like you know I'm, yeah, I'm here to I'm for. here to occasionally talk to Maria and kill demons and Maria's in a room I can't get to yet. So <laughs> it's like <laughs> like you you just you know death is like hey you shouldn't be here and Alucard's like yeah but I am and then that cutscene is over right and w- yeah. when you talk to Maria the first time you're like hey and she's like hey you seen this guy nah okay right like there's just right. the 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 cutscenes are are fairly concise which helps a lot because. 30 hours of terrible hammy voice acting. I probably would not remember fondly, right? Like I want to get back to stabbing demons. That is what I'm here for. I would say there's about as much dialogue overall. And it serves a similar purpose where it's like, you know, this is not a a narratively driven game. Narrative is not a core aesthetic. You know, you're not playing this game to, to, to understand the, deep and complex relationship between Richter Shaft and Alucard, you know, like that's not, that's not what you're in for. It is a, it is a very Bowser esque villain where the villain is simply there to make you play the game, you know, to give you some kind of a semblance of reason. So with that in mind, I think that there's 
probably about as much dialogue. There is voice acting to it, but as there is in like Super Mario Brothers 3, you know, where it's like the princess is in another castle. Hey, you know, like, so- thank you very much for saving me, Mario. You know, like Bowser passed through here, you know, that that kind of stuff. You know, it's a little bit more heady and philosophical, like what is a man, which I mean, of course they changed, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Uh, that's more fitting with the aesthetic of being gothic than, you know, anything to say like, oh, no, they, they, they really cared about like your investment on on the plot of this. So, yeah, like I said, like the, the difference is before it was like a like thing. A, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> and now it's just like thing. A. It's like, yes, thing. A makes sense. Thank you. It's it's more like a, a board meeting than, a, um, you know, a board meeting housed by somebody who's just dropped like a comical amount of acid before coming into the board meeting. <laughs> 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 like a truly a truly heroic amount of acid you know like <laughs> i don't know if it was that bad originally but <laughs> i mean i've never done acid so maybe that would be amazing <laughs> i just like the idea of someone being like what happened last night it's like i do not know man you did a truly heroic <laughs> amount of acid like and that is what heroes do. And, and you, you flapped your bat wings and double jumped off into the night and didn't see you again until this morning. <laughs> Just shows him broken at the bottom. Of like, <laughs> it's like, why is he so beat up like that? He was on the first floor when he jumped. <laughs> um, I will. The, the last thing I, I want to mention about the the sound effects, just because I've uh, in, in recent episodes, I, I feel like I've uh, harped on this a handful of times. And for a game that has, you know, a dozen spells and a bajillion monsters and a thousand different weapons and all of this stuff going on all the damn time, I do not remember coming across any sound effects that were like tinny or screechy, which is, I think, actually like worth noting because there's a lot of monsters that it probably would have been really low hanging fruit to be like, oh, uh, this thing needs to make a noise like to signify that it's about to attack or something. So uh, give it a screechy demonic. Like they don't do that. And I appreciate that. I don't like those kinds of noises. It can be done well, like when you have enough audio power and the PlayStation certainly did, but it's really easy to push it too far and just have something that is like screechy and, you know, nails on a chalkboardy just to be like, oh, but but that's, you know, what the 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 magic sphere sounds like when it explodes. It's just, it's like the screechy noise or that's what it sounds like when the demon is excised. It's just this screechy noise. I'm like, no, just don't like do, do something more interesting than that. Or just don't give it a sound. Like I just, I hate those kind of like super tinny, super screechy, scratchy sorts of noises. And there's nowhere in the game, at least that I came across that I, I was like, Oh God. Like, and I played a lot of this with headphones on. So I feel like I, I would have noticed, or at least they happened so few and far between that it didn't get under my skin the way it does sometimes. So like, good. Thank you. Like, good. you know, for the sound yeah. designers that had to make a bajillion and a half different sound effects to go with all the different visual nonsense going on. Like, thank you for not going to that particular. Well, um, I would definitely agree with you with one exception. And again, since I played the um, PS4 version, I don't know if this is a, a difference. Um, the the ice maidens dying like, oh yeah they kind of go in, like ah yeah so 
that was really high pitched. Now, that being said, it was coming through my controller. So that, yeah. Yeah, no. So that, yeah, that's, that speaker is, um, what's the word? Awful. Not made for that. (laughs) (laughs) Not made for being a speaker. Yeah. So I think that that's the problem there is that, you know, um, so I would definitely go with your assessment over mine because that, that was the only place where I ran into it. Everywhere else it was fine. But like the first time I killed one of them, I was like, man, now the, I, I'm going to play this game on hard mode because I have to get through the rest of it without <laughs> killing any more of these people. You know? Yeah, that, that, I think that's a great example, though, because in, you know, the, the correct version of the game, um, mm-hmm. that sound is very high pitched but it's very clear and crisp. Whereas mm. the PS4 controller speaker, um, I think is actually just a tin can and it's connected to a <laughs> PS1 version of the game somewhere else. And so you were hearing it, you know, through the tin can over the string. And that's why it sounded like grating, right? Because high pay- Oh my God, it sounded tinny. How did you miss that? No, I, it was from a tin I, can. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. I was going to get there. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh no, now I feel stupid. <laughs> but I I, I, I ruined it. I do think it's it's fair to be specific enough to say there's a difference between high pitched and screeching, right? Screeching is a timber as much as a pitch. And that particular enemy, you're absolutely and there's a couple other enemies that have a similar kind of like like blood curdling woman death scream from like a horror movie, mm-hmm. but on if it's coming through your regular television speakers, you would not have felt that way. At least I, I didn't. And I don't think you would have, cause God, the PS4 speaker on the controllers. So bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I didn't really have any two other big notes for, for audio. You, uh, no, just, uh, except to thank you for recommending that I try working out to this. Cause I'm going to do that. It's good. It's real. It's real good. Yeah. No. Especially like I said, man. It starts to it starts to ramp up, and all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by bad guys, and I'm the only one that can stop them. And like I said, the only downside is when you get a little too into it, and then yeah. And, and but the nice thing is, that it's 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 almost this is going to be a little tangential, but uh, um, you're, you're so definitely, you're, you're so shy with your tangents tonight. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. But uh, anyways, um, is no, it's it's more like a. Is the issue is that it can kind of be like Goku post Kaoken 4, you know, <laughs> where like you get super into it for like 15, 20 minutes, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, and like all of this, like it hits a lull in the music and then you'll kind of go to do it and you drop out of your Kaoken. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I am exhausted, you know, <laughs> like, and then you kind of go back upstairs and you're drenched in sweat. And then the next day you're like, why am I racked with pain? Oh, right, because I was jumping around like a 21 year old for, you know, 30 minutes and I can't really do that anymore. I'm not that athletic. <laughs> Sounds like a way to get a good workout in though. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it'll, it'll get the job done. It'll get you there. So, um, uh, gameplay. Um, so here's, here's one of the things that, uh, we, we've kind of already touched on briefly just between the two of us. Um, which is that, uh, so spoilers, I don't generally like backtrackers slash Metroidvanias, right? But plot twist, which one of us said we should play this game? Me. (laughs) me i did i said we should play this game because and here's here's the thing is that i i feel that as you get older not to say that i'm like wisened by any any means no no one no one would say that 
no, no one, no one would, no one that knows me for any length of time. Um, in <laughs> uh, in the 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 death battle analogy, I think you're Wiz and I'm Boomstick, but uh, <laughs> and it's us up to, and it's up to us to analyze their weapons, armor, and skill to determine does this game hold up. But uh, God, don't at me for that screwing it up. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is that as you get older, you kind of realize your own kind of I guess bad habits, you know. And one of mine is that like sometimes I will get just super into something for like a two, three week period and then it's dead to me forever. You know? And I mean, as long as it's it, this is almost exclusively with things that are recreation related, which is fine because the purpose of recreation is that it is bringing me joy. So I will do it intensely for the amount of time that it brings me joy. And then when it ceases to bring me joy, I stop doing it. I said all that to say, I do not know why, but I was super into Castlevania, <laughs> like the show. I was like listening to the music. I was like way into it. I'm like, now, wait, no, now is the time. We have like a two week window ish because I'm just for whatever reason, super into like this media right now. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. And you're like, uh, okay so yeah it was it was entirely my call um yes so don't generally like (laughs) but i liked this one uh oh no people will know now but i liked this one and i I, it was very clear to me immediately the big difference which is that this has rpg mechanics to it you level up you gain items beyond things that improve your abilities like that give you new abilities so but most importantly is you're always gaining experience you're always gaining gold so if i sat down and wander around aimlessly for 20 minutes like having no idea where to go which absolutely happened in this game <laughs> um, i didn't feel like i just thrown away 20 minutes of my life that I, I just you know i was like well i'm a little frustrated because i feel like i've been trying to make progress in this thing and i have made nil progress i haven't gotten any better at the game because everything i've been doing is easy i can do it i'd already been able to do it i just don't know where to go the rpg mechanics completely blunted that feeling for me um which actually to me i was like well this is the thing that i I now have enough data to show that this is something that i think is a key difference for some people that don't like metroidvanias because another game that i really really enjoyed that is a metroidvania-esque was uh dead cells and dead cells had rpg mechanics so i think that that can actually take some people that are not into Metroidvanias and turn them onto them. So, uh, yeah, that's a big key difference between this game and a lot of other Metroidvania backtrackers. I mean, literally, because there, I have some stuff in mechanics I definitely want to talk about, but literally my first uh, thing in my notes is George and backtrackers because... <laughs> when uh, I think we were, we were texting and you were like, you know, yeah, I really feel like the RPG elements make getting lost not feel like a total waste it's a it's less productive but it productivity doesn't drop to zero right and i just like i literally went and then talked with two other people that day and i was like (laughs) i never thought about that because i don't like getting lost in a backtracker but it doesn't ruin the experience for me the way it does for you and so mm-hmm. I like the RPG elements being there because I like RPG elements. But to me, they were frosting on a cake I would happily eat without frosting, right? Whereas mm-hmm. for you, it's like peanut butter on a peanut butter sandwich. You're like, this is just bread without peanut butter on it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's like, that was, I, I was so like excited, I think. Like when you shared that that comment with me, because I was like, oh my God, I didn't, 
I hadn't even separated those two mechanics in my mind because so many modern backtrackers have RPG elements that it's just like they just go together, right? It, it's become uh, like a lot of the the modern Zelda games have been critiqued for following the Zelda formula, and a lot of mm-hmm. backtrackers are pulling directly from this game, which hilariously, the creators of Symphony of the Night did not believe that they were ripping off Super Metroid, even though, oh my God, they so obviously are. (laughs) Their inspiration was the Legend of Zelda. Like, they Mm. wanted you to feel like you were getting lost, feel like you were exploring this large, hostile place where you didn't really know where to go and what to do. And that feeling is totally there, right? But the RPG elements are why the reason those RPG elements are there is because what they were inspired by was Zelda, which has more in common with RPGs in most people's minds than uh, super Metroid has in common with RPGs where you do get upgrades, but they're fixed. They're predictable. There's a limit, right? You can't just grind enemies in, in Metroid games. So that, that like, I was excited that you were excited about this because it reframed my entire understanding of the individual ingredients in the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, it is, and, and this is kind of why what we touched on before, where you can't, you, you can't judge a game. You can't describe a game simply by the mechanics involved. You know I mean? It can't say like, well, I mean, I love for first person shooters like, you know, um, portal portal two, you know, battlefield like life. Oh wait, those yeah. have nothing in common. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like those, like those are completely different experiences. Like, but they're all first-person shooters. I mean, like, even you know when we talk about like like bat trackers, right? Is that you know it's it's I think that, and I've kind of mentioned this before as well. It's that like I think that they are a subgenre of the genre of unfolding games because both Zelda and Metroid unfold, you know, but like they they do so in a very decidedly different way because in Legend of Zelda, you're exploring this kind of huge area and then you kind of get, but you're not like forcibly like kind of backtracking consistently. You know, it's more like you're exploring this, this grander land. It it has a completely different feel to it, you know, but, uh, but at the same point in time is if you said like, well, do you get upgrades and do you backtrack? Yes. Well, it's, it's a backtracker and it's like, well, no, this isn't really, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, it's very difficult. So yeah, I, I do think that the RPG elements completely change it. So if somebody says, I don't like Metroidvanias, I mean, especially because the, 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 in the, the mainstream genre, it's right in the name to be like, try this Castlevania game because it's different than Metroid, you know? So when you say like, it's a Metroidvania, it's like Metroid and Castlevania aren't even the same, man. <laughs> um, so uh so that being said, um there are definitely some really obtuse logical leaps that you have to make in order to get through this game to the point where I I looked up my um new infinite page Nintendo Power, which is what I call the internet. <laughs> um I had to go on to to that a couple of times in order to get to where I needed to be. Um the biggest one that I I'll just I mean waggle my finger at because there's there's definitely a lot of them where I was able to make pretty solid progress without looking anything up but when i got stuck i generally got stuck pretty hard um and the worst one man is uh is i forget what ability it is that you get it's right before i think it's after you get the double jump that you're supposed to go to the clock room and wait for an 
odd numbered hour or an even numbered hour because the entrance is not always open so first of all the layout of that area does not make you think i need my double jump to get there in the library absolutely i was thinking like oh man if i had a double jump i could get there um in that wherever towards the top with those giant skull things that i hated um (laughs) you know those i was like man if i had a double jump i could clear this this length of jump you know um nothing about that room made me think that i would need a double jump so when i passed through it again two or three times i just happened to not be there when the entrance was open so i just never even thought about it until i looked it up and i was like come on and i think that any time any time in a game where you say come on like that's not that's not great, especially if the goal was like, you know, hey, here's a puzzle, figure it out. And then you get the answer and you're like, I don't I feel like that wasn't on me. That's that's an issue. So uh, the, the entire game wasn't like that. Otherwise, I'd have to be increasingly frustrated. Um, but there were definitely some sp- like logic spikes like if we say like there's like difficulty spikes there are like spikes in in logic that's required from me that were uh a little steep well i i think it's interesting to call out the design of that room because it's reasonable to think that at some point you might be able to fly or that you might be able Mm -hmm. to travel vertically more than the double jump so it's reasonable to assume that there are places that even the double jump can't get you right you see a couple like big tall vertical shafts that are really narrow and there's no platforms to land on right so you might make the intuitive leap that you can eventually fly or travel vertically in some other way the thing about that room because i i thought about that because a lot of people get stuck with the the moving statues because one of them you control with the time the stopwatch sub weapon and the other one mm-hmm. just you know, opens and closes every other minute. I think you said an hour, but I think it's every other minute. Yeah. Um, when you go into that room for the very first time, no matter what minute it is, that one is open. And when you are talking to Maria, it closes. It very obviously visually closes and it makes a loud like marble stone scraping noise as mm-hmm. it, the statue like slides back into place. And I remember thinking on this playthrough, I don't think that that would have given me enough information if I didn't already know what to do. Like it definitely got my attention, but I have no, I don't think I was given enough information to make the intuitive leap to, Oh, it opens and closes periodically. Right. So the only thing I could think of is that maybe they were just hoping you would stand in that room long enough thinking about how do I open that, right? As opposed to going in and being like, oh, it's closed, right? And I can't imagine some players like getting into that room and just being like, okay, well, I have the double jump, but when I jump into it, it doesn't move. And if I jump up there and I swing my sword at it, like it doesn't move. Maybe there's like a spell. And like while they were going through that process, time would just be passing and then it would open. But uh, uh, like, I don't, I don't I don't like that. Like even if that is what they were going for, I still don't like that. See, a better way to force that would be to put enemies in that room. Oh, so that you have to stay in there. Well, so so like enemies that you could like walk through, you know, like maybe some like flying enemy or something like that, where like if you're just barreling through the room, you might be able to bypass it. But then like if you spend the time to like swat at and kill the bad guy, that is way more likely to generate enough time for you to have been in the room long enough for it to open. 
Like, so they could, they, I mean, and there, there are enemies in the room before it and after it. And they're those horrible flea dudes flea that are, a, yeah. yeah, that are an impregnable pain in the ass to kill. <laughs> so like if they had just put two of those dudes in there, absolutely you would have stopped long enough for that, that door to open, you know? So that makes me think that they were actually trying to occlude it, not draw attention to it. Um, you know, which is, it's, it's fine. Again, like it's, it's not, if the entire game was like that, I'd be like, come on guys, you're just beating me up to beat me up, you know? But I really think that this was more of a, like, no, we really want them to be paying attention. And, and we want this to be an area where they get cut off and they explore the whole area that they can three or four times to find all of the extra stuff we've hidden around. We don't want, we want this to blunt their forward momentum through the game. You know, I just think that, you know when when i was a a dm one of the first puzzles i ever put in an adventure took the entire group two hours before i gave them the answer and then i never put a puzzle in an adventure again (laughs) um so which you yourself have borne witness to because i think i you one time said like yeah man like you never really put any puzzles in there i'm like nope i don't i I had a bad experience so (laughs) this is kind of like that where i think they're like oh we'll do this to kind of blunt their momentum a little bit it's like wrong you have blunted the momentum entirely for like 90 percent of the populace you know can't can you suss it out yes are you likely to no is it does it break the game no you know i mean you just got to eventually either know a friend have nintendo power or play it 10 years later and have the internet you know well and i i think there's a first off there's no game no way this game was in nintendo power which is funny but anyway um, sorry it's the only publication i know because i don't read your terrible propaganda whatever you <laughs> your whatever you read your filth rags um, comrade <laughs> so negative um <laughs> So I, I, it was either, it might've been Game Maker's Toolkit, but um, someone exposed me to the idea of in uh, a backtracker or an unfolding game, because I really like both of those as a way to describe this. Um, mm-hmm. The, you can measure the verticality or horizontalness of the uh, access to the map by charting out how much of the map do you get access to at the start and then each one mm-hmm. of your power-ups, right? Do you, like mm-hmm. in, in Dead Cells, there's certain spots on the ground that you can only break if you have the like down, you know, ground pound. And then, you know, once you have the double jump, you can do this and blah, 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 right? And like, that's the thing that basically all backtrackers have in common is you get something, a power, an item, a whatever, that allows you to then get to a place or do a thing you couldn't do before. And that opens up more of the world. Right. And Mm -hmm. this game, and this is true of a lot of backtrackers is really double jump heavy. A lot, a lot of the map becomes accessible to you when you get the double jump, like a lot of the map is behind the double jump. And then basically everything else is behind flight. Cause where can't you go? Right. The, the, right. the only other places that you're blocked are the mist gates. And there's, I think literally two or three of them in the entire game. Right. So yeah, the mist gates are similar to like the, the blue doors where it's just like you, you got this ability for the sole purpose of getting past these two or three obstacles, yes. you know? Yeah. And, and that's, certainly an incredibly difficult design challenge. Um, this game also makes use of one way doors where it's like, 
I don't need anything special. I just need to have come here from the other direction. So eventually this room will connect this space and that space, but not until I come, you know, heading east to west or whatever. Um, and that, that that's all fine. Like these are all tools in the tool belt, but like double jump is really aggressively used. And what I think they failed at with the clock room is that's one of the only puzzles in the entire game, right? Everything else is made accessible through either exploration or power upgrades. That's, I think, literally like one of the only puzzles in the entire game. Well, I think one of the other puzzles, just to, and I, I would agree with you, you know, I, I I didn't really think of it that way, but it's basically everything else is it's like, I need to get there. I don't have the ability, not there is a puzzle I need to figure out. One of the other puzzles that, again, I think just juxtaposes how absurd the the intellectual spike is on this one is getting the two rings to get the semi-real ending, which is one of them says like, where dot dot clock and the other one says in dot dot tower so when you have both it's where in clock tower right that that's it that's the whole puzzle like when you have both things like honestly when i got one of the rings i knew what to do you know (laughs) it's like but you know when you get two then you it's it's very clear so that's that would be arguably another puzzle right but that's it like that's that's and the the no question worst part about that puzzle and this this is going to sound like stupid complaint but it drives me nuts every time it drove me nuts on this playthrough right even though i've played this game two dozen times you have to get this you have to get the bat sonar which you use once to go through Mm -hmm. the spike room which is dark and you never do that again even though that's a really interesting little mechanic they never play with that again and then you get the spike breaker armor which you need to go down once (laughs) once to go down one hallway and then maria is in that room and the other ring is in that room how did she get into that room she is not magic or, well, I mean, she has magic, but like she's she can't transform into mist, which you had to do to go through the mist gate. She clearly does not have the spike breaker armor because all of the spikes are intact. How did she get into that room? This drives me nuts because not only is that an annoying puzzle, but the tiny little bit of story that's wrapped around that part of the puzzle makes no damn sense. It's just it's like confusing for the sake of being confusing. It absolutely is. I can I can rationalize it, but this is just for fun. Uh, your your point is absolutely well taken. She should not be in there. Um, what if Maria the entire time is in that last room where you find her in that weird looking room, right? Yeah, the so what if she was buying a cult? Yeah, yeah. So what if she's in there the whole time and she's simply projecting herself every other time you see her? Yeah. Um. Which. That raises another question. How the hell did she get into that room? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that that would be. But I mean, that, that room seems like one where like she got in there and now like can't get out. You know, like, like I believe that she was exploring the castle, then got trapped in one area. And that just happens to be the horror show that she got trapped in, you know, because um, I mean, that, that that feels right. You know, like, is that anybody who's not Alucard would like get stuck somewhere because they can't turn into mist or a bat or a wolf or uh flap their bat cloak or i don't know all the other stuff you can do so uh you know 
Yeah, that's that's and, my in, that's my rationalization. In, it's not great. In the version of the game you played, one of the things they added from the Japanese release that hadn't ever been in the US for whatever reason is you can play as Maria and she has mm-hmm. insane movement abilities because she doesn't get any upgrades, right? So like you can play through the entire game as Richter and Richter if you like link his movement abilities together, he can get places you would normally have to fly to by like doing his like uppercut kick thing like over and over right mm-hmm. it, it it's like a de facto kind of flight and the way maria moves is bonkers like <laughs> i watched a speed run of the game for alucard for richter and for maria and maria's is by far the most looney tunes like she's just zipping around like a, a it's as if someone is holding on to her sprite with like the arrow cursor and just dragging her around the screen, right? Like the way a child would take like a paper doll and just move it against the static background. Like nice, be- nice. because they didn't want to totally just reinvent the entire game around her. So they just gave her like this ludicrous move set, but you don't see any of that in the main story. She just walks in and out of rooms. You never see her fight. I don't even know if you ever see her jump. You see her do like a little hop up a couple steps, but like Mm -hmm. nothing about what you see in the main game would indicate that she should be able to get to any of the places you interact with her. So it's like every time I go into a room and she's there, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, okay. How'd you get in here? (laughs) I just imagine Alucard saying that. so uh, one one thing I did want to make sure that I touched on is um, so at the beginning you got ball or equipment right, and then um, death takes it all from you. Just I mean, de- death comes for us all. Um, <laughs> so I just made me think of the uh, the 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 John Oliver thing. It's like where he's talking about how you can't just completely change a quote out of context because some politician was changing the uh, uh, bring us your tired, your poor, your masses yearning to be free uh-huh. and he's like you know it's like because i could not stop for death he kindly stopped for me and then we totally the lot <laughs> death <laughs> but, but anyways, it just makes me think yeah so anyway so because i would not stop for death he kindly stopped for me um none of that's going to be usable <laughs> anyways <laughs> just throw this whole episode in the bin start it all over <laughs> all right hey lions how's it going um so so anyway so yeah but i actually learned what that's called because a lot of games do that where they say like here's what you'll be like at the end of the game okay now we're going to take all of your abilities away and especially backtrackers unfolding games metroidvanias in particular are um notorious for this because they want you to know that the horribly hamstrung way with which you are interacting with the universe will change and get better right um do you know the actual word for that it's it's pretty elegant Mm. Abilities, Ooh. right? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so there is an abilities at the beginning of this game. Um, that that which, journey uh, which was think- absolutely worth going on just to get to that payoff. By the way, so <laughs> all of the nonsense Yay. that preceded that has got to stay in because it was worth the journey. That that juice was <laughs> worth the squeeze every every bit. Woohoo! Uh, good to know. Um, so all this is true. So, but yeah, no. So um, I, I really do think that that an abilities is uh, is important in a game like this because you know you really feel like an amazing 
powerful badass like at the beginning and then i felt that it was it was good the way narratively that your abilities were stripped from you because it's not like then somebody came in like richter you know comes in and like gut punches you and you lose all your best stuff you're like that's the best stuff like it's the best stuff so who took some death death himself had to come in and take all of your stuff away and say like okay now go deal with this nonsense you know so that felt it didn't feel flippant having it taken from you the act in which it was taken from you unlike i don't know like a metroid game where all of a sudden you're restricted from using your best equipment because your ceo <laughs> has told you not to use it <laughs> hypothetically just, right just saying. so um <laughs> but uh but all that being said is is I, I do think that that portion of metroidvanias is very important because it lets you know what you're in for if you stick with it which uh which i thought was pretty good well, and just to tie that back to like the ham-fisted dialogue and everything is uh you know what communicates to the player a lot of useful narrative information about the castlevania universe death is not in charge he works no. for Dracula, right? <laughs> like yes. The that and I mean I think that's actually been true in all of the Castlevania games that death is like a servant or at least you know a a co-founder of Dracula Incorporated. Like yeah. I really feel like that tells you something when you go into a room and the literal specter of death is like, hey, uh, stop it, and it's like yeah. why? It's like because you're here to kill my boss. <laughs> right it's like i'm not gonna let you do it and i, I feel like ham-fisted dialogue aside that tells you a lot about what this universe is like how big and powerful and scary dracula is right because in this game we've only seen richter totally eat his lunch and we need mm-hmm. to kind of have our levels reset because it's like oh richter defeated dracula but now dracula's back how do we know that dracula's scary when you just defeated him in a battle you can't lose oh because one of his middle managers is death right like yeah. that's I, death himself yeah I, li- I like that kind of way of like level setting you right kind of resetting your expectations here's how powerful you're going to be here's someone you know is less powerful than the guy you're trying to go fight and he just jacked all your stuff right that quickly aligns your expectations it it does and to to wax nostalgic one final time about the uh (laughs) um the the tv show similarly they do something similar in in the show where basically it's just kind of like okay well how powerful is dracula it's like well all of these other vampires report directly to him it's like yeah but maybe all those other vampires suck so like at the end of season two you know like it basically um and not to do too many spoilers for the tv show but like it takes everyone throwing everything they have in the kitchen sink at dracula and he still is is just walking through everybody even though the entire season he is walking around an empty hollow shell of a person and like noticeably they say like he's not drinking he's not eating he's you know he is at like 10 percent of his true power and still everything you can possibly do to stop him ain't really getting the job done so you know like that that again it scales like how important possible this this thing is i think that a lot of the times in 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 video games and in media it's what would help scale our reaction isn't the game can all day long say like dracula super powerful dracula super powerful is instead it's 
the how the characters react to Dracula. So the fact that like in the TV show and also in this game, whenever Dracula's referenced, it's like, dude, dude, don't mess with Dracula. Like he's terrifying, you know? And so you've got like Alucard who's saying like, I, I have to do something. My father has to be stopped, but he's horrifying, you know? Or, or like I have to do something about like this castle because he's just finding the castle, you know? But um, like, nope, everybody is terrified of, dracula so we know how powerful alucard is we're alucard and the fact that alucard is terrified of dracula maria is terrified of dracula everybody's just terrified of the castle you know and that's and even though it doesn't have dracula in it like that does help scale the uh the experience yeah i there's a little part of me that's like oh man this feels like where we should probably end this section but i i got a couple other things we got to talk about real quick um Go so for thanks for being all like erudite and and crap <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to uh, give a little uh, kind of like, you know, wink and a hat tip to the fact that uh, Alucard can't move while he is swinging his whip. I mean, sword. He basically attacks exactly like the vampire hunters of the other games, right? Even mm-hmm. for all of his magic and all of his nonsense and all of the other cool things he can do when it comes to your primary weapon, your melee attack that you use for almost all of your problem solving when it comes to monsters, uh, you have to stop and swing. You can jump, right? A lot of people do like a little hop so that they can be moving while they're attacking, but that's not always appropriate. Sometimes you need to just stop what you're doing, swing your sword. And the way they reward you for your skillful patience is in the back half of the game, you can get a sword. There's actually two of them. Um, that you can swing while moving and man, that just changes everything, right? So like (laughs) now you are this terrifying murder machine and that's fun. And I absolutely indulged in that. But even the whole rest of the game, I was like, every time I had to stop and swing my sword or swing my mace or do whatever, I was like, Oh, they want me to still feel like these enemies are threatening, right? Even the throwaway enemies if they can move and hurt me while they're moving, they have an advantage that I don't have. Maybe they won't Mm -hmm. defeat me, but they still have a tool in their tool belt. I don't have, or I have to result to my sub weapon or I have to, you know, go to result resort. I have to resort to my sub weapon. I have to, you know, resort to magic or some other thing, or I have to actually use my shield Who uses their shield. No one until you get shield rod. And then it's awesome. Um, But there's just something there's something about like you can't fight and move at the same time that creates a very Castlevania sort of feeling, right? Metroid can, you know, in, in, Mm -hmm. in all the Metroid games, Samus can run and shoot her gun at the exact same time. And that gives you a different way of moving about the universe when there's enemies around, um, to that, uh, same kind of like combat note. Um, this game has like really dramatic knockback, like, really dramatic knockback mm-hmm. like i know castlevania games have knockback but holy crap you like you go <laughs> flying when anything touches you regardless of the amount of damage it does it does the same knockback animation and i i do not love it in fact i kind of <laughs> super hate it it's one of the only things about this game i would say i consistently find like repugnant hmm interesting and i think that that the reason why they have that kind of severe knockback is obviously in a platforming game that also generates the similar amount of fear that you were talking about. Yeah, that's probably true. Cause I mean, it is in some senses a platformer, right? 
Um, the only other thing that I wanted to mention is uh, with the music and the visuals, super jazzed about the variety, right? The variety of equipment, I think, is also super cool. Um, there's a sublayer to the stuff, which is there's so much stuff that they don't even tell you about all the stuff. And <laughs> I don't think that that's a terrible thing, but it is frustrating to me as a player who likes to really, you know, squeeze all the juice out which is there's a, a weapon i mentioned the shield rod and if you use it with different shields equipped it has different effects and if you use it with the alucard shield it's actually that's the most powerful weapon combination in the game right and it's not hmm. super obvious because you can also just wail on people with the shield rod like it's a stick because it is a stick right and and there's um there are are hidden uh, abilities that certain weapons have like the alucard sword if you do like a street fighter hadouken you know like down to forward and mm -hmm. hit attack he teleports like several lengths away and then slashes back so if you're fighting a monster hmm. that has like a long polearm weapon you can teleport behind it and go like chop chop and then you you automatically teleport to where you were standing and there's a bunch of different weapons that have like little special magic tricks to them. There's a bunch of little things that are just like obscured, like the a la carte uh, armor has, if you, if you have the sword shield and armor on at the same time, it gives you something absurd, like a plus 30 to luck, which is really useful. If you want to go find some of those secret super item drops that only certain enemies do, which is how I got the super cheaty sword. Right. So like, mm -hmm. There's for all of the stuff in this game and there's a ton of stuff in this game. There's also like this whole sub layer of like, Oh, you just have to know it's there. Your friend has to tell you, or you have to mash buttons and figure it out. And that's literally all of the spells in the game are not telegraphed to you in any way. Like the spells, you like, can, you know, you can buy them. You can, oh, can you? you can buy the instructions for the spells. Ah, uh, okay. Cause yeah, I just, I literally looked it up online and I just kind of started fiddling around with it. And I'm like, wow, this is, I mean, I never used any of them because I didn't really need to, but you know, well, and I was like, this is, you, you just shined a bright light on the weirdness of the spells because most players would say, oh, you have to buy the spells. No, no. You have to know the button combinations. If you know right. the button combinations and you have enough MP, the spell works whether or not you have purchased it from the librarian, right? So there's there, there's like this whole sub layer of like, you just got to know, right? Yep. And it's just, yeah. I'm, I, I have very conflicted feelings about that. The social aspect is cool because it's like, oh, talk to your friends, read Nintendo Power, right? Go look around the universe you inhabit and try and find out more about the game, but Part of me is like, no, just make the game tell me. You can even obscure it, but make the game tell me. Well, I kind of, for stuff like that in general, I, I kind of, I'm okay with it because it's not needed to complete the game, you know? Um, even, I mean, I think even your percentage like goes up to 212%, so that kind of makes the whole percentage meaningless. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, no single person can give more than 100%. By definition, that is the maximum any one person can give. Um, but, but all that being said is that like, I, I kind of like the idea of sitting around at the playground or whatever, being like, oh, yeah, man, I, I, I love playing Symphony of the Night, man. It's awesome. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, I love getting the Alucard armor. Oh, yeah, that was great. It's like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, some of the spells, the what? You know, and, <laughs> then, 
And then just going back and being able to just like, oh, wow, yeah, there's like a whole bunch of stuff to this game that I didn't even know, you know? Um, yeah, I kind of I kind of like that idea just because, again, it's not, it is not required in any way, shape, or form to beat the game. If it was required to beat the game and you had to go talk to other people, like I literally was just railing to Megan earlier today because I bought Pokemon Sword and Shield for Teddy. Um <laughs> And uh, and so I got a, a Machop and I was like, oh, awesome, because I mean, obviously, I, I, I liked the Gen 1 Pokemon because I was a Gen 1 Pokemon person myself. Right. So I was like, oh, my God, it's a Machop because that means he can become a Machoke and then a Machamp and Machamps have four arms like Goro and they're awesome. And so I was like, that's fantastic. So he became a Machoke and I was like, great. And I kept leveling him up. I'm like, oh, man, I really wonder what level he becomes a Machamp. And the answer is none. You have to trade him in order for him to become a Machamp, which made that Machoke worthless to me. I took him out back and put a bullet in his brain pan because I'm I am never, ever, ever going to talk to another human within the confines of that game right so if it was like that i wouldn't like it <laughs> but this it's entirely optional content so i'm more okay with it the poor machoke um. <laughs> no man to be fair i just i just put him in a sleeper hole and made him pass out i machoked him out <laughs> um my <laughs> my what i've done today my 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 final comment uh before i'm 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 ready to move on is the one thing that jumped out to me as the purest artifact of the time this game was made cuz you could put this in front of someone today and tell them like uh, oh yeah it's yeah. A, it's an indie darling you know yeah the, yeah the, you're going to talk about the, okay no, that's fair I think I know what you're going for. Oh, I'll, Go be, I'll be curious if we, we land on the same thing. The one thing that made this an artifact of its time to me is the text auto scrolls. There's no way to slow it down or choose when to advance it or go back and recover any of that information. So you just end up totally beholden to the game's pace of giving you information, which granted as we discussed ad nauseum, the dialogue doesn't really matter and you could totally skip all of it or not even speak that language. But the fact that dialogue just happens, you can't do anything about it and you can't be like, wait, what did she say? You're just, that is something so of this era because they were able to put spoken voice into the game and it never occurred to them how that would change the way the player interacted with information. So it's like, I know it's silly. It doesn't really ruin the experience because there's no information in the dialogue that you need to beat the game. But it, it cracks me up that that is just such a 19 late 1990s, early PS one thing. Like that is, that's a thing of the time, but that's it. Yep. No, that wasn't what I was thinking of. Um, Ooh, the, the thing I was thinking was stupid. <laughs> No, it's is okay. So this this is definitely. I mean, I'd never played this game before, but like, um, I don't care for the name of the dark wizard, just because when I think, <laughs> what what do you have against the dark priest called Shaft, which I believe is <laughs> how he introduces himself. I am the dark yeah. priest called Shaft. Shaft. Yeah, it's it, it's just you know like like when i think shaft i think of shaft like the you know movie slash a, the police officer right something i i don't well, know much it was, about the, the, it was a 70s movie and then they remade it in our childhoods into the samuel l jackson movie 
Right, exactly. I mean, it's the Sam Jackson movie in like the 90s-ish, right? I don't know when that uh, came out. Early Maybe 2000s-ish? Early 2000s. But anyways, like, I don't know why. Like, that That to me, like, just every time it's like, oh, yeah, the Dark Wizard Shaft. I just think, Shaft? You know, so like, that just, <laughs> you know, like, that, that, that takes me out of it a little bit. So when you're like, oh, we got to talk about the thing that really dates this game. I'm like, the fact that the Dark Wizard is named after like a, a pop culture reference to another another genre that doesn't it's completely a, a chronological to this one but i mean maybe i'm just reading too much into it it was far enough from the original movies and i think tv show for people to be like you know oh, okay we can reuse the name shaft but then unfortunately it was right before the reemergence of uh a police officer named shaft right right so yeah it's it's a uh, I, I think they were like, okay, we've created enough space. And this character is actually not unique to this game. He's, he's mm. been in them. He's been in this lore for, I think since the beginning, but certainly going back further than this game. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, even as a kid, every time I was like, shaft, you damn right. <laughs> but, uh, so with all that being said, what do you think? Did it hold up? I mean, I'm, I had to give this firm, no nostalgia goggles. Like I loved it, loved everything about it. I will absolutely replay this game again. Uh, I think you actually summed it up pretty well for me on would I be able to recommend this, which is, uh, yeah, not only could I recommend this, but I would seek out people who are like, oh yeah, you know, backtracker is not really my thing. And I'd be like, but have you played this one? Because this is pretty universally regarded as one of the best ever, let alone like from this era. So if you hate this one, then yes, maybe you hate all backtrackers. But but I mean, come just for the visuals, then come just yeah. for the music, then come just for the sheer volume of stuff. I mean, the whole we didn't even talk about the Upside Down Castle, but there's a whole second game inside this game. Like there's just yeah. there's there's a lot. And I I think it's all pretty much fantastic right? Especially because the whole second castle, you can ignore like 90% of it if you want to, to get the, mm-hmm. still get to the true ending. Like it's just, it's well balanced. It's well executed. It's enjoyable. Yeah. No nostalgic goggles required. Yeah. And I've got to completely agree with you. No nostalgic goggles required. It is just, it is a really, really great game and it comes together incredibly elegantly. Um, you know, I mean, like you said, like the visuals, there is just so much stuff. And and even the way that they take some of the mechanics and, and pepper them in there, they're, they're done in a very, uh, a very good way. I mean, like, for example, so often like RPG mechanics are just kind of used as makeshift Skinner boxes to put people in to make you complete, continue playing a game you don't really like for the endorphin drip of like, you know, just getting a little bit further so like they'll they'll take that and 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 plaster it onto a bad game to make it tolerable this takes it and and makes literally parts of the game um that would normally be intolerable to me like actually like it 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 increases the flavor overall and it does it in a uh you know in a very non-manipulative way like some there are some very like malicious or even evil games out there that would like you know take these and use them badly but like this this game does it does it in a very very good way i mean and and like you just said like you you would call this a good game right yes indeed and you must always remember that the only thing necessary for evil games to triumph is for good games to do nothing the curtain falls the music plays the credits roll then it all fades to black And you're left by yourself 
The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land. Battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you lost for a while. You're gonna think back much less on how you saved the day. <laughs> 